Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Having a bit of fun in church around Christmas. I want you to welcome four couples in our church. They were all born in different parts of the globe, then met, have married one another. Come on out. Here comes Dr. Jeremy Wibicki Koo and his wife Anna. And uh, they're beautiful people. Here's Anna Ronson, her husband Nathan. Come on out. Who's next? It's Rashida and her husband Sebastiano, the quiet guy. Uh, and I think you can tell from the T-shirt, turn and show everyone the T-shirt, he's Sicilian. <laughs> then Jessica and Daly, come on out, you guys. I'll ask all of you where you are. Uh, where were you born, Dr. Jeremy? Uh, I was born in Hong Kong. Born in Hong Kong, Finland. Yes, Finland. Now tell everyone what you told me earlier before the service, that everyone in heaven is going to speak what? Finish, because it takes eternity to learn it. <laughs> I've been told by even by, by people in Scandinavia that Finnish is the hardest language on the planet to learn. Well done. Congratulations. Anna, where you, were you born? Albania. Albania. And is this Albanian national costume? Let's say yes, because last moment decision, but yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, let me just check. You were born in a really exotic place too. Whereabouts were you born? Sydney, mate. <laughs> Sydney, mate. Beautiful. Rashida, where were you born? Fiji Islands. Fiji Islands. And somehow or other you ended up marrying a guy from another island. Sicily, Catania, over here. <laughs> Make sure you get it right because Sicily doesn't like everybody in Sicily. If you're from Catania, you like Catanians. Is that correct, huh? Well, Catania loves everyone. The other one doesn't love much Catania. I guess because we are the best. <laughs> now, here's a little-known fact about Sebastiano. You represented Italy in what? You, well, you, I, oh, uh, skating a really long time ago. Skating? Yes, yeah, speed skating. Speed skating. Yes, yes. But you were also on, was it The Voice Italy you were on? Well, you were on a TV show. Ah, well, uh, that one was uh, Country Land Dance. Yeah, I was a country line dance. What, 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 what uh, show? Watch, ah, uh, Italians has uh, got talent. Uh, uh, he was on Italy's Got Talent. And we all know how famous Italians are for line dancing. <laughs> so many, yeah. Jess, where were you born? I was born in Philippines, Mabuhaika. You were born there, but you didn't grow up there? No, I actually grew up in Sweden, so I'm kind of two cultures in between. Because the Philippines and Sweden, you just think they go so together, don't they? <laughs> Climate-wise. Huh? It's black and white, and I'm grey. <laughs> okay, let's come to Daly Whereabouts. I was, I was born in England, a place called Barry St Edmunds. Anybody else here from Barry St Edmunds? Anyone ever heard of Barry Sanders? I have actually, but I'm not sure why. Is it famous for something? I think the Queen's got a couple of houses there. Yeah. <laughs> couple of just garden yeah, shed yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah, but where did you grow up? I, I grew up in Johannesburg in South Africa. Wow. So we've really got the United Nations just along here. I, and I've got just a couple of questions, and there's a reason and a point to all this. It'll come out shortly. But, Jeremy, growing up in Hong Kong... 
And, and please don't think it's a surprising kind of question. I remember Solomon telling me that Christmas is absolutely huge in India. And I was so surprised at it. So I, I actually, we haven't scripted this. I'm just, I don't know the answers these people are going to give. I just want to ask them. What was Christmas like growing up in Hong Kong? Lots of shopping. Um, each successive years, um, they, they tend to put up the decorations earlier and earlier. So one of the, like for the kids, um, instead of going to the park or look fireworks and things like that, you, you actually go to window shopping. The, the, the display is uh, quite something. Was there anything particular about your family's Christmas celebration that you remember and you go, I really loved that? Yeah, great to go to midnight mass as a Catholic. Wow. You're just going, when is it going to finish? <laughs> I need to sleep. <laughs> Told you we hadn't scripted it. Uh, Pastor Bruce, just please write down, do not have a midnight service at Christmas. Um, Anna, uh, tell me, Anna, sorry, uh, um, growing up in Finland, obviously Hong Kong would have been hot, I imagine, at Christmas time. And Finland, what was the temperature like in Finland at Christmas time? Maybe minus 10 or thereabouts. So usually we had snow. So it was, was white Christmas. Wow. And um, making um, snow lanterns or ice lanterns was a big part of it. And also decorations were often like snowflakes and and Christmas sauna was one big thing that we don't have here. <laughs> a Christmas sauna? Yeah. So we, we on Christmas Eve usually went to sauna. And from He went to midnight mass, she went to sauna. <laughs> and um yeah, often we um saved some birch branches from the summer, dried them and then soaked them in the water to then, you know, we <laughs> ourselves in the sauna. <laughs> Makes the blood circulate very well. <laughs> Similarities are endless, really. Uh, fantastic. Was there anything special food-wise growing up that you remember? Uh, Christmas morning was um, rice porridge with fruit soup. And then for evening, usually ham, um, potato casserole, carrot casserole, and sweet casserole, and beetroot salad. So here's a question for both of you. What of your childhood Christmas and of your childhood Christmas have you kept going now that you're a family from two very different parts of the world? Is there anything you've kept? Uh, gingerbread making and decorating is one thing that we still do. <laughs> At least I do. And, and the kids do. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> anything you've retained? Midnight Mass? Uh, no, no. Um, uh, probably just decorating the Christmas tree, that right. sort of thing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let me come to Anna and to Nathan. Uh, Albania and Sydney. They're quite different for sure. Now, I actually didn't know this until, or I'd forgotten all about it, until you texted me about this just last night. But for you growing up, Christmas was not even a thing. No, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so um, um, I don't know how many of you but uh, know that Albania is a Muslim country, 75% Muslim, and the rest is um, Catholic and Orthodox. So I was grown up um, in my family knowing that it's rebellious to even say the name of Christ. 
And um, yes, yeah, so we never celebrated Christmas. The biggest thing in Albania, sadly, it's New Year's. So we don't call it Christmas tree. It's not that we call it here Christmas tree. Actually, it's New Year's tree. Yeah. So did you, but you were aware of Christmas, obviously, as a young person or as a child, huh? Yeah, um, I could see the Catholic people because I had a few friends, you know, because I became Christian when I was 17. So all these years, I, I had something like I wish I had that. But I was told, you know, like from all the generation and family that they it's not a thing. You should even not think because it's a big sin. You know, you grow up like that and then you carry that and you say, no, Muslims are born Muslim. They should be forever Muslims. Catholics, you know, that what God gave them. That's what I was told wow. for 17 years. Um, yeah, so, but I really want, I, I could call a bit visiting Catholic people. They will make all this food. It's a little bit like here, actually. But I, um, yeah, I really wanted to have that, but I thought it's wrong to even to think to have that. So after you became a Christian, after you gave your life to, to Jesus, what was your first Christmas? Do you remember that? Um, so it actually, um, it wasn't at home. It was with my church. That was became my favorite time of the year, and we'll do not just a service um, because you know, like we all pretty much we have few people leading, and we'll talk what we do this Christmas. And it was uh, I remember because I was like you know like um, yeah I just turned I was seventeen and a half when I became Christian, so it was about eighteen, so it was August nineteen ninety six. So when I became Christian, and then um, yeah, it was my first Christmas ever. I actually have. I think I have photos as well. I'll never forget because it, it felt the sense of feeling home completely. I mean, my family was very, you know, like loved us so much, but it was something that they never, that's the only thing they didn't give me, you know, and then um, God gave it to me in some other ways. And since then, every single year with church, we didn't celebrate at home. Since then, a church will, and we'll go to actually people, Christian people that are Catholic, but still celebrating. So it was great, and we'll go for a visit, and it just, it was amazing. I felt something that I never felt before, feeling like, you know, we have a dad and mom, but God is, Jesus is our dad. So it's amazing. That's beautiful. Sydney, what part of Sydney? Oh, I was born in Campsie, but we moved over here when I was 10 months old, so from Sydney, yeah. And I know a little bit, obviously, about your life being your pastor, but... What was Christmas like for you? Was it a great time of the year or tough? Um, it was pretty – it was kind of, I don't know, walking on eggshells a little bit. It was it was fun, but nobody was interested in God or anything in my family. Um, so we kind of had a um, – my dad had a brother who had a pool and we would go over there every Christmas. So that was exciting as a little kid. Um, but, you know, it was only a matter of hours before – Everyone drank too much and there was fights. So typical Aussie Christmas, I guess. <laughs> well, sadly, that is the way for a lot of Aussies it goes. And then a uh, bunch of years ago, you meet this Albanian girl and you end up getting married and a new family starts. So what's Christmas like now for you guys? Yeah, for, for me personally, it's pretty great. I mean, you know, um, never growing up. I was a, um only child, single parent dad, so... Um, I never really understood much about family or, um, you know, having females around or anything. So um, it's nice to have a family of my own and actually um, celebrate Christmas and um, have something that's kind of real and enjoyable and actually look forward to the day and the season. 
and everything. And beautiful little Emily, of course, as well, makes a difference, huh? Yeah, she's amazing. She's, How old is she now? She's six now, so yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty pretty great. Certainly a big difference to when I was growing up. So. Is there any, uh, when an Albanian, and you weren't even in the capital city, you didn't live in the capital city, you were out of the, the capital, is that correct? Yeah, I'm North Albania, which is about uh, eight hours by bus. It's only 80 kilometres away, so that's how bumpy the roads are. <laughs> Eight hours by bus. So Albania meets Sydney, and then is there any kind of, like, uh, adjustment necessary? Um, after 11 years, there's still adjustments <laughs> necessary. <laughs> Thought there might. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's an ongoing process of learning about each other's differences, especially with Christmas. But why, why especially with Christmas? Um, because it's such a different culture um, and it happens only once a year, so you only get to practice kind of once a year. <laughs> with, everything, with everything else, you get to practice every day. So, um, so you forget kind of what happened 12 months ago and you go, oh, yeah, that's the way you do things. All right, okay, let's, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Now, Rashida from Fiji, correct? Yes. Meets Sebastiano from Sicily. Well, they're so close as well. Aren't they really in so many ways? Yeah. Yeah, okay, we'll leave that. What was Christmas like for you growing up? Was that a thing? Fiji Islands, um, we, we celebrated really, really well. We had the neighbours together, get the family together. We'd go shopping. Um, people there knew Jesus and God, so I was very blessed to be around such people, even though my family didn't. But Christmas was always a happy occasion. Um, we went that very rich, so it was. We were very having a turkey or a ham on a table was only a hope. So seeing that today is, is such a blessing. And um, as kids, we um, we'd run around without any shoes. Or it was it was summer. It wasn't snowing. So Fiji's always hot. So we'd be in shorts and singlets, and we'd just jump from trees into the river, and wait for lunch and dinner to be cooked. And that was done by mum and dad. Families all lived together, cousins, aunties. We were all under one roof. We wouldn't fit everybody in, but we somehow managed. It was a family of about 50 to 60 people under one roof. Um, and, wow. and we cousins of about 30, 40, we were all together. We were just together all the time. Wow. So it was, it was a blessing. Wow. Was there any special food? Uh, you, you mentioned there's no ham or turkey. Uh, was there any special food that you remember and go, I really, that just like Christmas to me? Yeah, yeah. I really miss what we call lovo. Lovo is where we dig a hole in the ground, a big hole in the ground, and they'd put little charcoal rocks, burn it for hours and hours so the heat would stay in there. And then mum and dad would pull out chickens from the backyard, goat, and they would just put it in coconut milk because Fiji was surrounded by coconut trees and we had lots and lots of coconut. So that was all done in coconut. We had spinach and they would wrap this in banana leaf and put it in the rocks, put soil over them, more banana leaf, and that would sit from morning till lunchtime. And when they would take it out, all the meat would just fall off the bones. I really miss that. Maybe next year for Christmas we'll let you dig up a bit of the car park. <laughs> And we can, how many people would come next year for our very own Lovo? Uh-huh. It's a very delicious meal. Yeah. Now, I can only imagine that growing up in Sicily, in Catania, not Sicily, Catania, 
there was no jumping out of trees into the river, uh, no coconut milk digging holes in the ground. What was Christmas like in Sicily? Well, um, well uh, for us, uh, it was just pleasure. Uh, white holiday, uh, going out with friends, uh, family gatherings, of course, food all the time because there is freezing in, in winter. So, yeah, it was uh, just a pleasure uh, and uh, enjoy the time, the holiday. All about that yeah. was. We, we, uh, I was born uh, uh, in, um, in a um, Catholic family. So, but we we did uh, we didn't know we did, we know about Jesus, about uh, um, God, uh, everything. But we never uh, look after the family of God. We just uh, were looking after our family, the closest, uh, the son, pa, uh, grandpa, uh, father, mother, and uh, sisters and son. This is, was all about just our family. And not much Jesus around the house, just a Christmas tree. And because we should put the present somewhere. somewhere. So it was the place for the presents. So everyone was looking at the tree. Oh, there's something for me. So you've only been married how long now? Well, we just, we eight months and... Eight months. Eight months. One. And some days. I so, is this your first Christmas together? Yes. No, it's actually our third Christmas. As, as uh, a never ask the man. Well, as a, the man does not know. <laughs> I shall ask the one who knows. As a married couple, first Christmas together. <laughs> but with this Thank is you. our third Christmas together. All right. Okay. Wow. So, what is there out of your childhood Christmas that you say to Rashida? Rashida, you can jump into the river and have a lova, but I must have for my Christmas. I must have what? Well, now for me, it's a completely different Christmas. So, before uh, was all about uh, my family. Now for us, it's uh, all about the family of God, uh, Jesus first. Celebrating the the savior and everything now is a, is is um, we are living uh, around all this uh, new culture because uh, for us uh, being a Christian and uh, is teaching us how to stay together as well. We we when we have some. Uh, kind of argument where I'm not I'm, I can't call uh, argument where when we have the um, disagreement disagreement uh, that's uh, thank you I've had a few in my time it's all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> so soon we we have a different opinion in something uh, we try uh, the hands are actually in the Bible and uh, we found out that uh, there is an answer for any problem. Any. It's, it's amazing. So now for, for, for me, it's all about, uh, for me, for us, it's all about the family of God, what we can do for our church. When uh, someone is asking me, oh, do you know this church? Just uh, 
um, Friday night, uh, I had my uh, company party, Christmas party, and uh, uh, I was the only one uh, without shorts and uh, the only one with a uh, shirt, shirt and my... This is Australia, brother. <laughs> so... We, we dress up when we put shoes on instead of thongs. <laughs> so the, uh, the bus driver... Um, ask me, are you a manager of the company? I say, oh, not yet. <laughs> but uh, this is uh, the, the occasion uh, I love to wear my dress because, uh, you know, we are working all the time and, uh, and also uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to show the light of God. I say, oh. And they say, why? And it's because soon, since I got saved, uh, I tr I'm trying to, to show the light of God. And, uh, ah, I'm Christian too. I'm going in that church. And they said, listen, I'm happy for you, but the only church I know is Metro Church. <laughs> I, I didn't script that. Absolutely didn't script that. Jess, Philippines to Sweden. So you've seen, like, all of the differences we've talked about here. You've gone from a very hot, humid climate to a very cold one. Where did you live in Sweden, by the way? I live in, uh, in a village called Borlinge. It's like three hours away from uh, from capital of Sweden, Stockholm, where you see all the uh, Miss Maud's Dalahors. I'm a very big fan of it because it's only like 30 minutes away where I came from. So whoever is Swedes now, I'm probably more than Swedes than what you are. So, do you still speak Swedish? I do, I do. For my family, who is kids of nine, uh, we have to speak Swedish to be able to avoid Third World War uh, disagreement and misunderstanding. And uh, yeah. So, how old were you when you went to Sweden? So, I was nine years old. So, I just want to get everyone to know I came from two families where Christmas is really big. Christmas tradition. As a pastor creed, growing up in Philippines, everything is about the church. 23rd, we clean everything. We scrub the house, but 24th, preparing all the food for the church until Noche Buena for all Filipinos. Happy Noche Buena. And uh, we would like, you know, my, was, because my mom is a pastor, so we have all this from 8 o'clock. We would be in the church and all the you know, all the specs, all the dramas that, you know, they do in the church, we would wait until 12 o'clock and then to open our gifts. And then by one, it depends on how long my mom preached. So that sometimes four or five hours about the same Jesus. How many people would like me to try that this Christmas time? <laughs> David now put his hand up because he's heading back to Malaysia. Anyway, so we we would open our gifts in the church, like with the neighbors and with the, with the, you know with the church people. And then as a kid, we would have our gifts open between twelve and one o'clock in the morning, in the twenty fifth. And then we would have fireworks out of bamboo, whatever that is. So that was uh, the Filipino ones was really big. As as I said, grew up in Philippines, and it has to be pancit and adobo, and it has to be kind of cassava otherwise there is no Christmas those are I think I probably 
grow up with a really great Christmas. So do you still do that now you're married to Dali? Do you still do that whole whatever those things were you just said? Uh, that's the Filipino one, yes. Um, the other one is I also grew up in Sweden. And I came to this, my mother, my mother-in-law's, no offense. My, my sister's parents, no, mother-in-law's or brother-in-law's, anyway, their um, family was very big in Christmas. So I came into that tradition again. So the 23rd for us was going into the forest and grab a Christmas tree for you who loves Christmas, white snow. So that's what we do. And then clean up the house still we're doing. And then 24th is the celebration we got. So Christmas Eve, that's the one I keep as a Christmas. And wow. it's all about cooking the whole December. It's all not in the beginning of December. It's all about cooking. The meatballs has to be prepared. The ham has to be prepared. All the... the, the, the the fish, everything. I think Angela knows probably, and and Sven. So. so was it hard to train daily into your Christmas? No, he just needs to get track of a credit card. <laughs> Hold a second. That's so true. So let me just get this again. Barton St Edmunds. Is that what it is? No, no, Barry St Edmunds. Barry. Yeah, Barry. Such an Aussie name too. Yes. Uh, Barry St. Edmunds. Mm. Then how old were you when you go to South Africa? I was two years of age, yeah. So, again, such massive climate shifts yeah. here and huge culture shifts, uh, which is really what I wanted to focus in on today is the variety of cultures from Hong Kong to Finland to Albania to Sydney to Fiji to Sicily to... Philippines and Sweden to England and Johannesburg. What was Christmas like for you growing up? Do you know what? It was pretty good, actually. My parents were really good. We had no no family in Johannesburg. Um, I just it, I just remember being a good Christmas. Actually, it was really yeah. nice. They're not they're my family aren't Christians. They're not. We didn't go to church. I think I more um, learnt about Jesus in the school, yeah. and. Um, yeah, it was just a really good Christmas. My parents were really good and we had fun. Um, I remember a lot of times we were allowed on the bikes, the pool. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, it was one of the reasons I actually came to Australia. We, were, we went back to England when I was 16. I was working there for years and then I said to, to my, my brother coming on a holiday working visa and he said, do you want to go to Australia? The climate's similar to, to Joburg. So, that's, uh, so I came on holiday working visa and stayed and that was the rest of his history. Wow, how yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and out the, I was saying with, with, with Jess, I've always lived in, you know, I spent 14 years in Joburg, 14 years in England, and I've been here 13 now. And they've all been about the, you know, the 25th we celebrated Christmas, and then when Jess, obviously I met Jess, she was celebrating the 24th, I was like, okay, I can do this, we can double up, you know, and uh, so, so did my waistline, but uh, so that's... So you have two Christmases now, oh, yeah, do you? two Christmases, yeah. Three. Three. So she always asked the woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many Christmas do you have? So we celebrate the Swedish one, Christmas Eve, from the 12th of midday, Christmas Eve, that's the Swedish one, to 6. And then from there, probably a little bit of a churchy thing, and then we go to the Filipino one of the Nuchibuena. And then we get the leftovers on the 25th and we share it with Aussies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, I hope you don't move anywhere else because I don't know that your credit card or your waistline can deal with four Christmases, but 
So is there anything out of your Christmas growing up that you said to Jess, look, I love you, I'm marrying you, but we are going to do this? No, not really. I'll be honest. We were not really. We, I never grew up in a traditional family. It was just quite a normal family. Um, there was. It was more. Jess has got some great traditions. I love what Jess does. She really decorates our apartment well. Um, we've got quite a few people coming on the twenty fourth, so you'll all see. So actually, I, I prefer the way Chris Jess does it to what <laughs> I do it. You know, me. It was uh, the only thing I'd miss about the the British Christmas is. James Bond on the TV Christmas Day. Uh, there was always James Bond on, I remember. Well, what, about the Queen's, what about the Queen's Christmas message? Um, I was probably sleeping during that time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. you know uh, that's usually after you ate, the Queen's message came on. Everyone was sleeping or playing with a kid's toy. And then James Bond came on. You know? So I do miss the British Christmas, just for the cold. It's like when we go to Sweden, I love it there. The snow's up here. The lights are on. So I prefer cold Christmas. I've got a little help for you. Just open the fridge door. True, true, yeah. yeah. Just pretend, huh? Look, thank you so much. It's fascinating to see the way all of you have blended together your various cultures. Uh, I think that's amazing. How about we give them all a big hand and just say thank you. Appreciate each one of you. Thank you. Uh, Well done. Hope you have the best kind of Christmas. Love you both. See ya. Bless you. Thank you, Doctor. See you later. How fun. And by the way, there's other people here we could have easily have asked. I limited it to just four couples. Wanting to just give you a bit of an insight. Uh, Whenever I marry a young couple, uh, which is not so many nowadays, but I usually say to them, you know, it's not just two people that are joining together. It's actually two family backgrounds. We actually use a tool here called Family of Origin, uh, which is a questionnaire that helps people see what their family was like, because we know when you get married and you join those two families together, there can really be some clashes of culture. And uh, in the same way as when two people join together, uh, it's more than just the individuals, but the cultures join. And as you've heard here, the culture that predominates is always the culture that's most passionately held on to. And so Daly says, you know what? It wasn't a big deal to me growing up. And I so love Jess's Christmas culture that I've just simply taken her on board, even though her Christmas culture is not something that comes out of this country or out of this culture. But she's allowed that. That's so strong for her. You heard her speak about it. This matters to me. This is something important to me. So when we read like we have been all this month out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 22 and 23, watch it again and look at it with different eyes this morning. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, Watch it. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. So Christmas and the Christmas story is a lot more than simply the personhood of Jesus coming to earth. The reality is just like you've heard from every one of those people here this morning. And we saw with the uh, beautiful Indian presentation as well. They're bringing their culture background. And when Jesus came to earth, 
The plan of God was not just to send someone, but it was to send a culture from another place. The plan of God was to bring the culture of heaven to us. And by the way, it's a culture that He holds passionately. So when Nathan Ronson says, it's still an adjustment period. It's an everyday adjustment. Why? Because two cultures have now come and joined together. In the same way for a Christian, there is a culture that has come into your life. When Sebastiano says, I never had Jesus in my life growing up. I had religion, but I never had a relationship with Jesus. And so now as a Christian, I'm going back into the Bible and I'm saying, what does God say about this? Because it's a lot more than Jesus coming into His life. It's actually now the culture that heaven has overlaying, becoming the template for His life. And culture is a lot more than what something looks like or what something uh, um, does. It's what it thinks. Have you ever wondered why Jesus comes out of heaven? The Bible says He does. He never builds a replica of the throne of God. He doesn't demand that the disciples all wear angel wings so He can be reminded of where He's from. He doesn't do that. But the whole way through Jesus' ministry, He keeps telling them about the culture He's used to. That's why, I don't know how many times, but it's scores of times, Jesus says this phrase, the Kingdom of Heaven is like. He's letting them know that there is a culture that He's used to that is very different to the culture that they are used to. And He's saying to them, it's not enough to be a believer in Me. It's not enough to be a follower of Mine. It's not enough to pray the prayers or even to listen to my words. He said, you've got to start to live out a different culture. And as every one of these people have demonstrated to you today, that is a clash of cultures. There's a lot more to it than simply, oh, that's fine. I don't know, when uh, my wife and I got married, she was used to uh, salads at Christmas time. I'm going, it is not Christmas unless there is a hot meal. That's just the law of God. <laughs> well, it wasn't the law of God, but it was the law of the Woodwards. And uh, I said, we've got to have that. She said, but it's so hot. We're in Perth. It's like a gazillion degrees. And I go, Rhonda, Christmas is a hot meal. And uh, do I get a witness from anyone in the church? Yeah. Amen. So, and there's got to be Christmas pudding. Now, I gave up on the threepences and the sixpences in the pudding. I let that go. But however, there's got to be Christmas pudding. And, and so we have that. But then Rhonda sneaks in her culture. So there's always prawns. What do you mean, yes? You're English. What are you doing? Uh, you know, you there's prawns and there's salad. And I'm going, well, okay. Pastor David Nah down here in the front row. Talk about a clash of cultures. You can't get a bigger clash than this in Asia. They're both from the same part of Malaysia. But however, here sits durian man and non-durian woman. Talk about a clash of cultures. She believes that it's the fruit that came out of the fall. He believes it's the fruit that was originally in the garden. A clash of cultures. So cultures know what it looks like. I just want to give this to you quickly this morning. 
because I want you to think about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus and take on His culture? I have found it takes a lot. I'm Aussie, you're born here. You know, I don't know how far back you go, but I just think like an Aussie and I don't realise how much I do until I go to somewhere where uh, I have to use an interpreter and I discover how many Aussieisms I use, like thingo, bizzo, uh, you know, face like a drop pie. Uh, well, no, I don't think I use that when I preach. Uh, but a lot of stuff like that. And all of a sudden I realise how much of my culture is just my culture. And then I come as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, and He gives me such a different culture to the one I grew up in. Let me give you just four quick things that are the culture of heaven and see what you think, how you're going with imbibing them and overlaying them in your life. Firstly, is the culture of heaven is selfless love. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave. Didn't need to. God's complete in Himself. God didn't need people. Otherwise, He's not God. God can't be God and have need. He doesn't have need. He's complete totally within Himself. And yet it wasn't need that sent Jesus to the earth. It wasn't because God said, you know what, I even feel sorry for them. It was none of that. It's entirely this selfless love. And that is the culture of the Kingdom of God. That's why the Bible again and again, Jesus said the greatest thing in the Kingdom is love. The greatest commandment is love. He said, they'll know you are mine. How? Not by the words that you speak, not by the prayers that you pray, not by how you do your hair or what you do on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. He said, and they will know you are my followers by your love. Why? because it's the hallmark of the culture of heaven. If I'm a Christian, then selfless love has got to be a part of the way I do life. That means more than once a year, because that's not culture. Culture is not what you do occasionally. The Macquarie Dictionary of Australia says that culture is the sum total of ways of living built up by a group of human beings that gets transmitted from one generation to another. In other words, it's the way you default. It's the automatic way you do life. If the automatic way I do life is selfless love, then I'm imbibing the culture of heaven. Here's number two. Second part of the culture of heaven is long range purpose. Someone said to me just yesterday, why doesn't God hurry up? And my only answer to that is because everything God does has got a long range plan. For thousands of years, we heard it in the production the other day, the 400 years of silence by God, where people said God's forgotten us, but God had a plan. It all had to take place at the right moment, the right time. I think it's something like over 2,000 Bible verses prophesied just the Christmas story. And I read a mathematician's Uh, explanation of the probability of all those things coming to pass in the one person at the one moment in history. And it was something like 10 to the 39th power, 10 followed by 39 zeros, one followed by 39. Anyway, it was just massive, uh, unlikely thing, but God's got a long range purpose. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter one and verse 10 talks about God's had a long range plan 
and we are a part of that plan. So listen, don't think to yourself that God's into the quick fix, the shortcut, the immediate, the gotta have it now stuff. That might be the culture of our world, but it's not the culture of heaven. God says He's building it. He says He's gonna have a bride that's without spot or blemish, without wrinkle or any such thing. In other words, you are still under construction. Here's the third one, only four. Here's the third one. Third part of the culture of heaven, I could give 10, but here's the third one, hope and faith. Seems to me that wherever God is present, there's hope. It's just the way He thinks, it's the way He is. Matter of fact, He's described as the God of hope in Romans. Now by the God of hope, that it's gotta be something special when He is described by His very nature as being one of hope giving. The Bible says that He's the author of faith. You can't author that which is not within you. So He authors faith into our life and gives that to us. I'll never forget a man I sat next to on a plane once coming back from somewhere or other and he told me that his parents had grown up in the Holocaust. He said that because of the persecution against, he was Jewish, because of the persecution against the Jews, his father had totally turned against all religion, could not, could not reconcile the idea of a good God with all that he'd seen. And he said to me, I grew up in a home where there was no hope. This man is a businessman in charge of a multinational company and travels the world and very successful. But I'll never forget, he said this to me, sitting there in the plane, he said, I envy people like you. And I remember thinking, why is there somehow or other, it's because of me that I have this faith. When the Bible says that even the faith you have to say yes to Jesus is a gift God gives you when you say yes. Think about it a minute. Here we are so used to people in this church saying yes to Jesus. Every service, someone says yes. And not even just every service. In our connect groups at the Hope One last Friday, somebody in the connect group, because most of the people going to that are not yet Christians. And so someone says, I want Jesus in my life. People yes text all week long saying yes to Jesus. But according to the Bible, it's not even just you saying yes like it's your decision. But when I get to say that yes, God gives faith into my life even to be able to do that much. It's a pretty astounding thing. Fourth culture of heaven. And if the team would like to come, please. The fourth culture of heaven is mercy and grace. I've said it a number of times this year that we are living in a world where mercy is in very short supply. I am concerned for our nation when we are, uh, forget all the legislation, all the arguments and the stuff that people argue about. I believe that one of the greatest uh, expressions of the culture of heaven, one of the greatest expressions of the kingdom of heaven is mercy. It's having mercy for broken people. It's having mercy for the poor. It's having compassion on people that are struggling. I meet people all the time that really think that the church is about measuring up rather than what it is, which is the church is about bringing a Saviour into people's world, allowing people to see there is someone. I read it again. I thought this was kind of funny. I read this this morning in, uh, in John's Gospel where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. 
And then I think it's about John 14. It says, uh, and all the Pharisees got really upset and they, they plotted to kill Lazarus because he was getting way too much attention to Jesus. And I thought, how weird is that? You're going to kill the man who death couldn't kill the last time, but you're going to have a second go. And amidst all of that, there comes a Saviour who has mercy. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I'm grateful for, it's the mercy of God. I'm grateful that there's a God who does not line me up according to how good I am, who doesn't answer my prayers only when I've really been good, but a God who has great mercy. It's the culture of heaven. The whole of the Christmas story is that God had mercy on a broken and a fallen world that often just wanted to ignore Him. Many of these people you heard tell their story this morning have told you about how growing up there was no God in their world. And yet here they are today telling all of us how real Jesus is to them. And I look at that and I go, you came from that far part of the world. You came from a completely different culture and here you are now happily married to the person you're standing beside saying, I'm so grateful for the great mercy of God. Amen. There's a clash of cultures and the one held the most passionately will always be the one that wins. I pray that we'll all give in to the better partner in our relationship, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I pray we'll all give in to Him and go, Jesus, You win. You're passionate about Your culture and I'm going to let that speak into my life. Come on, let's pray. Now you're here with me a moment. Just wherever you are, you can say yes to Jesus this morning. God will give you the faith to be able to even do that much. You can say yes to Him. And I want to pray for you right where we are. In a minute, we'll put up the number for yes text for you. Because we want you to say, you know what? It's not just a moment. It's a journey of my life. I'm going to get to know Jesus. I'm going to allow Him to fashion me and help me and shape me. Now, one of these people up here told you how bad it was or how how impossible it was or how difficult. They said, no, I began to follow Jesus and His reality now makes me want to be a light for God. So Father, I pray for everybody here and those that are watching, people that are listening, the podcast, the YouTube, whatever, people that are sitting right where they are and saying today, I really need Jesus. I pray for that person watching, Lord, who's, been away from You. Now they sit and they've kind of got onto us almost by accident. But their praying family has been asking You, Lord, to touch them wherever they are. And now they sit there, realise that they need the mercy of God in their life. Realise how much their brokenness is not keeping You away. It's actually why You came. You want to touch them and help them in the Name of Jesus. I pray for the families, Lord, that have celebrated presents and celebrated decorations, but have never celebrated the Saviour. Pray You'll help them today in Jesus' Name. Pray for that man, Lord, who's been proud and I don't need God. And yet, Lord, now is saying, I, I realise I really do. I can live my life without God, but I can't live His life without Him. So God, I pray for that man as he surrenders to Jesus, says yes to Christ. Thank you for it, Lord. If that's you, just right where you are, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. 
We do this every single service. In some way or others, what different ways we do it, the way is not important. It's the open heart and the invitation to God that makes the difference. And so I'm going to pray this and you can pray it right where you sit or where you're watching, wherever you are or whatever time it is that you're looking at this. You can say yes to Jesus. And so let me help you by leading you in this simple prayer. It goes like this, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Thank you for dying for me because I matter to you. Come into my life and help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 Father, I pray for those people, whoever they are, wherever they are. Thank you for all the people this year, hundreds of them, Lord, that have said yes to you. People in really unusual parts of the world that have watched and have heard and have said yes to you. We thank you for them. Pray, God, that each one of them will walk on with you and discover a real living Jesus in their life. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's give all those people wherever they are just a big hand. How beautiful. Someone was telling me just during the week, uh, I can't remember where they were, but it was another part of the world and they were watching uh, the Christmas production last week and being impacted out of that. I think I had several messages like that from people in different parts of the planet. And uh, so that's why when we get to that moment, I never assume it's just those in front of me. Listen to me one more minute though. If you are here today and you said, Jeff, today I said that prayer and meant it. I want Jesus in my life. There's a couple of things I want you to do. Number one, I'd love you to go and get a Bible. Just go out to the Connect Hub. Just say, I need a Bible. Just say Bible. They'll give you one. They're free. We'd love you to have one. It's God's Word. And you read that. Uh, start at maybe the Gospel of John. They'll help you with that. The other thing is that you can do this. Text yes. 0488-826-392. There's small cards out at the Connect Hub and at the, uh, the display out there that's got those so you can take it home. You don't need to remember it. 0488-826-392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you do that, the next day at 7am our time, on one screen of your smartphone, there comes a Scripture just for you from us and a prayer just for you from us different one every day for 30 days or you can opt out whenever you like but that comes from us it's not coming from some third party group that we've hired it comes from our church to you so you can trust it and uh, we'd be delighted to be a part of helping you grow with God Amen let's give those people just a big hand say well done we love you you're clapping people you don't know but God knows exactly who they are